Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. And so I want to read from Mark chapter 5 this morning, and I'm going to give you some background and different things. But uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 5. There's a, there's a passage of Scripture that we're all very familiar with in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. It says, But Jesus looked at them, and he said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are... Awesome. With God all things are... Awesome. You know, and a lot of times when we read that Scripture, we, we kind of take it out of context. And we, and we say, you know... Well, if I want a, a brand new Mercedes, it's possible because with God, all things are possible, right? I need a new home, so all things. And, and, and we start claiming things, and, and, we, and we forget the context here with which Jesus was speaking. Actually, in this passage, if you go and study, this was the passage where Jesus was talking about the rich young ruler. And uh, the rich young ruler came to him, and it, and it was really all about his works. It was all about his possessions. It was, it was about all that he had done and all that he had attained and all that he was doing. And he said to Jesus, what, what lack I yet? You know, that's, that's a great question for all of us to ask Jesus. What lack I yet? <laughs> Almost sounds a little Cajun if you... <laughs> what lack I yet? You know, so that's what, the, that's what the rich young ruler came to Jesus. What do I lack in? What area of my life am I still lacking? I've sold all my... Or I, I've, I've done good. I've obeyed all the Ten Commandments. What, what more do I need? I've done it all. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. Go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And he goes, Ooh, I don't know about that. And, uh, you know, so he, we know the story. And, and Jesus, the disciples looked at Jesus and said, hey, you know, who can be saved? You know, this, this guy was following the letter of the law. I mean, he obeyed the Ten Commandments. And if he can't get it, then who's going to be saved? And Jesus looked at them. And you have to understand something. Let me, let me preface this. You have to understand the Jewish people thought, as probably most Christians do today, that salvation is attained by your prominence or your power, your position, your riches. And so if you remember, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their mom came to Jesus and said what? Let my boys sit on your right and your left-hand side and, and let, let them have the position, right? That was the James... Uh, the, the, the sons of Zebedee, their mom, speaking for them. And the Bible says that the rest of the disciples got jealous because of that. They were jealous that Jesus would even consider putting James and John, the sons of thunder, you know, on his right and left, left hand. So in their head, they're thinking position, power, all of these things are going to attain salvation. And so if this rich young ruler didn't get it, who's going to be saved? And Jesus looked at him and said, with man... This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so that word there in, in possibilities, the word possibilities there in the Greek means that God has all the power and all ability to make it happen. Yeah. So God has all power and all ability to make these things happen. And so I just want to set the stage for us and only believe in the context of this. It's not based on our acting of belief. Right. <coughs> A lot of times we think that because I believe, 
or because I have this, or because I do that, then God does this. No, God's able to do those things regardless. He is self-sufficient. He has all power and authority, all ability. Eternal possibilities with God rest with Him alone. So I want to take a look at this scripture, Mark chapter 5. Excuse me, in verse 21, it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. And so Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well." Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Let's say that together. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but only sleeping. And they ridiculed him. And when he had put them all outside, I love that. That's one of my, I think that's the best part of the whole of the whole passage. Jesus got annoyed by the religious crowd, the people that were being paid to do their job, and he put them all out of the house. Get out of here. I don't, I don't need you. I don't want you. You make me sick. Get out. That's what he did. <laughs> and he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and those who were with him, and they entered where the child was laying. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and she walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and that something should be given to her to eat. I want to take a look at this passage of Scripture. There's a lot here that we could talk about. We could talk about godly influences, people that you hang with. I mean, there's, there's ton, divine healing. There's a lot of topics in this passage of Scripture that we could cover. But I want to zero in, if we can, on just a couple of things specifically regarding this passage of Scripture. First off, there's, there's an emphasis here on the number 12, and I'll get there and I'll talk about that in a moment. But I, I want to talk about the assurance that comes by belief in God. Only believe. Only believe. Do not fear. Only believe. Here we find these two people that have 
diversely different lives. You have the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus and his daughter. They are absolutely different lives on different paths, on different tracks. And this day, their lives divinely intersect. This day, God intersects the lives strategically and importantly. We need to understand why God intersects these two people's lives when he does. Let's take a look at Jairus' daughter. They're, they're absolutely different. Jairus and his daughter, Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. Jairus is, is a ruler of the synagogue. He had much influence. Some say that he was a Jewish prince. He had, he had wealth. He had influence. We see this portrayed in the fact that when Jairus comes up, there was a multitude around Jesus. There was a crowd thronging Jesus, and Jairus comes up, and he walks straight up to Jesus. In other words, the crowds had to move apart for Jairus to get through, and so we know that the, the crowd that was present knew who Jairus was, and they made room for him to get to Jesus. Remember, the woman with the issue of blood had to press her way through the crowd. So there's a difference. Jairus had money. Jairus had spent all that he had to help his daughter. He had tried to see his daughter get well. The Bible says that when he came to Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet. That word, when he fell at Jesus, if you have people, if you have problems with people falling in the presence of the Lord, let me just help you here. That, that word fell at Jesus' feet is the word to fall prostrate. He came before Lord and went like that. He came into his presence and, and was overcome by his circumstance, his situation, and overcome by the power and the presence of Jesus in that moment. He hit the deck. And he begged, the Bible says, he begged him earnestly that he would come and heal his daughter. He was desperate for his daughter to be made well. He was desperate for his 12-year-old girl to receive healing. She was being robbed of, of her innocence. She was trying to be prevented from stepping into womanhood and adulthood. She was The enemy was working against her. Sickness was working against her. And her father was doing all that he could to help her. But nothing helped. She was at the point of death. And we know the story that, that she came, that, that Jesus came. And in the middle of all of this commotion, in steps this woman with the issue of blood. Now this woman with the issue of blood, we, we don't know the cause of her issue. Some speculate that it was an STD of some sort, but we know that she had a medical issue and she was bleeding and she could not get any better. She had only grown worse. She had spent every penny that she had to get better and she couldn't get better. We know that um, she was unclean. She was ceremonial unclean. Anywhere she had to go, she had to announce that she was unclean. People couldn't touch her. And so not only was she suffering from a physical ailment, she was suffering emotionally. She had been rejected by people. She had been disappointed by people and doctors. They had let her down. She had tried to get well. She couldn't get well. The doctors who were supposed to help her couldn't help her. Anybody ever been where this woman was before? She found herself disappointed, disillusioned, rejected. Her hopes were smashed. Her dreams had smashed. Nobody would love her. Nobody would touch her. She had never felt anybody love her in a caressing way or intimate way. She was not able, she wasn't even able to have children. She was hopeless. She was hopeless. This was the woman with the issue of blood. She'd spent everything that she had. She'd only grown worse. The word affliction there that she, that's used to describe her ailment, the word affliction in the Greek means tortured. She was absolutely tortured by this medical ailment, this disease that she faced, and she had suffered for 12 years. 
Now, I, I want to connect the dots here with these 12, number 12, and I, I want to talk about the assurance. The reason that I think this is important and why these two lives are intersecting, <coughs> excuse me, the number 12 in, in Scripture is the number for God's government, God's church, and God's government in the earth. If you, and, and, and I don't think it's by accident. I don't think that this is a stretch here. But I think this is a great illustration for us and a great picture for us as believers to take a look at the church and the issues that keep the church from discipling and going after and ministering to the younger generation. I don't want to dwell here. I just want to pause for a moment. Like I said, I've taught this a while back. But, but I just want to highlight this, this point that this, this woman was unable to minister to and love on this girl who was dying because she had issues. Her life was controlled by issues. She had a medical disease and she was wrapped up in her own issues and wasn't able to minister to this young girl. And I think this is a great symbol, great prophetic image, if you will, for the church of today, that we've got to get over our issues. We've got to allow the dunamis power, life-giving power of God to flow through our bodies, quicken our bodies, allow the Holy Spirit to come and to quicken us and to set us free from our issues so that we can start loving on the hurting and the broken that are around us. Well, she said this and he did get over it. Get into the glory. Get in under the influence of the anointing and all those things that, that have held you back. All of those things that have kept you in bondage. All of those hurts. All of those offenses. All of the brokenness. All of those things will be annihilated under the power, the unction of Jesus in your life. I promise you. And that's, that's what this woman needed. But I want to take a look at the assurance here that comes from knowing God. Only believe. Jesus looked at Jairus and he said, only believe. Assurance for us is, comes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came. He was, came and born as, as a baby. You know, we've had the manger up here. We've been talking about the cradle and Jesus came. He was born. God stepped into humanity. He was crucified for us. But our assurance of what God has promised comes from the resurrection of Jesus. Had he had not resurrected, he had just been another story in, in history. But Jesus came and he was resurrected for you and I. He became the assurance of things to come for you and I. He became the first fruits, the forerunner for you and I. Paul used this term that Jesus used, only believe. Paul used it in 2 Timothy 1 when he said, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. For I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I know whom I have believed. He had an unwavering assurance. This is what we says about 2 Timothy. He says the idea is that Paul, in spite of his sufferings incurred in his service for the Lord, has not been put to shame, has not been defeated, has not had his hopes disappointed. The word no is not genosko, which we see oftentimes in the New Testament. It's intimate no 
knowing by intimate experience. It's the word oida. The knowledge here is not personal knowledge gained by experience, such as fellowship with God, but it is a knowledge of what God is in himself, which makes him absolutely dependable in any circumstance. In other words, it is the absoluteness of God. This word know there is the absolute, that God is sufficient in and of himself. He controls, he rules all things by the word of his power. He has the power and the ability to take care of anything that you and I face. The word I have believed, I have believed with the present result that my faith is a firmly settled one. It is like hammering a nail through a board and clenching it on the other side. It is there to stay. So Paul's faith was placed permanently in the God whom he knew, which faith was immovable. He was persuaded, this word persuaded. Paul had come to a settled persuasion regarding the matter and was fixed in an immovable position. You could not budge him. Abel is the word dunanos. It's the same word in Matthew 19, 26, that, he, uh, that he, God is able to do anything. He's got the power and the ability to do it all. It's the verb dunamai, means to be able to have power. Thus, when Paul uses the word here, he is not thinking of mere ability to do something, but of the might and power resident in the being who is of ability to do what we trust him to do. The word keep is a military term to guard, to defend, to keep watch. And so let me give you my translation of this. With all the Greek and, the, the, and all of these breaking down for you. In spite of all the hardships and persecution I have faced, I am not ashamed. For I have firmly settled in a well-established position, resting in God alone. That he possesses all power and might and ability to fend and keep watch over me. Hallelujah. Is he able to keep watch over you today? Is he able to keep watch over your circumstances? Is he able to defend you? Yeah, he can be like he was with the Israelites, the, the fire, the pillar of fire that goes out before you to warm you and to protect you. He can be the cloud that refreshes you and renews you. He can be the water from the rock that follows you and refreshes and brings new life into you today. Yeah, our God, our God is absolute. Our God is able to meet every need to do anything. He is all powerful. He has all ability, all authority and able to rule and reign over every situation of your life. And we know this. We know this because the same power that raised Christ from the dead can quicken you and I. It dwells in you and I. You and I can know and experience the same resurrection power that flowed through Christ. Christmas didn't start with the birth in the manger. And Easter didn't finish with the crucifixion. Christ, birth, and death were not the bookends on Christian faith. Sometimes we say, well, that's it. That's all there is. No, those, those things are the foundation for everything else that God offers to you and I. Those become the rock foundation that you and I can have assurance in and know that Christ is able to do exactly what he said he would do. Yeah, it was, it was the beginning, the, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, all of it was the beginning. Jesus sat down. The Bible says in Acts 2 that he sat down and received the promise of the Father. And this is that which you are now seeing and hearing Peter preached. Yeah, and all the healing and the, the Jesus is coming back. Everything that Scripture promises us is hinged on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he came, he was born for you and I. This innocent baby, born for you and I, was crucified. And as a result, you and I only believe. 
We can have full assurance. We can have an un, unwavering, full assurance of things to come. In Acts 17, verse 31, Luke said that he has given us assurance. He wrote down these words for us that we have assurance because of the resurrection of Christ. Acts 13 says, Now when they had heard, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. God raised up Christ from the dead, and our assurance is in that resurrection. Our assurance, our hope of things to come is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only believe, Jairus, your daughter's lying at home at the point of death. Only believe. Only believe she's not dead. Yeah, you may feel like your marriage has been laid in the tomb. You may feel like your finances are in the grave. The vision, the hopes, and the dreams that God's spoken over your life, they're in the grave. But God raised him from the dead. But God, God can step in and heal that disease. God is able to step in and fix that financial trouble. God is able to step in and heal and restore your marriage. God is able. He, is anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? God is able and he has all power and all authority and all ability to do the things that he's promised. Jairus, only believe. Yeah. Only believe. Only believe. Isn't that what the woman with the issue of blood did? Somewhere along the way, she had heard about Jesus. And she said to herself, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. I've seen the resurrection. I've read it in the scripture. I've tasted it. I've seen it. I've touched it myself. I've seen it in this book. And I, therefore I know if I can just touch, if I can just get a hold of Jesus, if I can just get a hold of the garment, if I can just get a hold, even if it's just the bottom portion of his robe, if I can just get a hold of it, I know I will be made well. I know that God will take care of it. I know that he'll fix it. Yeah, our assurance comes in the resurrection of Christ. We have assurance. We have assurance in God. And this assurance in God is in God alone. It flows out of God as, as he is. We said earlier, he is a fountain. He is an eternal fountain. And this, this assurance that we have is a, a, an abounding fountain of an assurance. It is an unending fountain of, insurance, of assurance. Jesus Jesus experienced this assurance. He was on the way to the cross. And the Bible says in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There, there was within him this assurance, this love of God, this love, this intimacy that Jesus had with the Father, this ongoing relationship that Jesus and the Father had that that sustained him and enabled him, that assured him that he was going to go through the crucifixion. He was going to go through the, through the death, through the beating, through the mocking, through the scorning. All that he would endure. And yet on the other side, he would come out triumphant. He would come out victorious. On the other side, there was a joy set before him. On the other side of that trial, on the other side of that testing, there was a joy set before him that he would sit down by, right next to his father, that he would take that heavenly seat that he would become our heavenly intercessor and our heavenly baptizer there was a joy that was set before him 
He had an assurance that led him, that endured. Sometimes the love of God will not keep you out of the trial. It will allow you to go through the trial. The love of God will allow you to go into the middle of that thing and know that you'll come out on the other side victorious. That it will test your faith. It will prove your faith. And in the middle of all of the testing and the proving, you'll find that His joy is your strength. You'll find that His joy is sufficient for you. You'll find that there's a peace eternal that abides because of the assurance you have in God. That is, that is the assurance that we have. It's eternal. It is an eternal supply. You and I can dive into the oceans of His love. You and I can dive into the oceans of His presence and find that there's never a bottom to the assurance that comes from knowing that because of His resurrection, because of who He is, because He is dunamo, He has dunamus, He is working all things for His glory and my benefit. No matter what I go through, only believe only believe I can believe I can have assurance in God well I have assurance but the situation is not changing a lot of times we look for the test or the trial to go away because after all God loves us right no sometimes you're right in the middle of the trial and that's where you find yourself Knowing the assurance of God that no matter what I'm going through, I have a peace. No matter what I'm going through, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Even though my daughter is at home dying, Jairus said, even though my daughter is at home, Jesus looked at him and said, only believe, have assurance. Even though she's dead, just only believe, have assurance. Have assurance that when you get on the other side, your little girl is going to get out of that bed. Jesus came into a room and he puts out all of the negative people who think she's dead and gone. You see, when you believe, when you have an assurance of God, having an assurance in God doesn't necessarily negate reality. You realize that they're dead, but you see beyond reality. It's not saying, well... Let's go put her in a casket. She's dead. But no, it's looking beyond and saying, even though she's dead, what does God say about this? What does God say about this situation? My marriage looks dead, but what does God say? My finances, my job, my whatever. It looks dead. looks like hope's gone, but what does God say? This situation, this trial I'm facing, it looks dead. It looks like it's in the tomb, but what does God say about it? She's not dead. <laughs> she's just sleeping. You're just, it's just percolating. You see, it's got to go that thing, that dream, that vision. Sometimes it's got to go in the tomb. If it doesn't get, if it doesn't make its way through the cross, it's not worth having. If it doesn't, if that dream and that vision and all that God said that you were going to have, if it can't make its way through the tomb, if it can't go through, through death, hell, and the grave and come out on the other side because Jesus spoke life to it, it's not worth having. Allow it to go through the testing. Allow it to go through the refining. Allow it to go through proving. And, and then see what God does on the other side. Then it's worth having. Then you really treasure because it's no longer containing all of the all of the all of the the junk and the mire and all the junk of life it's been purified it's been refined and all of a sudden it stepped in 
All of a sudden, that glory, the glory of the Lord is shining and radiating from that thing. And it's no longer all about you, like our interns were saying. No longer all about you. All of a sudden, it's about the glory of the Lord radiating from that situation and that circumstance. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. In Hebrews chapter 6, 11, it says, And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When you have assurance in God, the assurance in God produces obedience to Him. It produces this joy. It produces this peace in God. So when you face the circumstance, when you face the situations of life, you have assurance that what God said He's going to do and it brings peace and it brings His joy and you respond with obedience. So you no longer become sluggish. You no longer sit around saying, well, if you only knew. If you only knew what I was going through. And if you no longer sit back and you complain and you grumble about everybody, all of a sudden the assurance of God rises in your heart and you begin to see the possibilities. You begin to see the eternal possibilities with God and joy begins to bubble up on the inside of you. No longer am I the woman at the well and I'm labeled by my past. No longer am I labeled by who I was. I've been brought in to newness of life. Oh yeah, I might have been the woman with the five husbands and everybody talked about, but look what Jesus has made me to be. I have assurance and the joy of the Lord rises up on the inside of me. The peace of God rises up on the inside of me and I become obedient to all that God says because I know I have assurance. I have an unwavering, I only believe. I have an unwavering steadfastness in God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. We can come in to the holy place with the Lord. We can come in behind the veil with God. No matter what it is that goes on in this life, whether it's Jairus and your daughter's at home dying, or whether you're the woman with the issue, you got issues. No matter what the, yeah, we all have issues. No matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what it is that you're dealing with in this life, you can have assurance that God will bring you, draw you in. You can come boldly into the throne room of God. You can come boldly into His presence. After all, isn't that what it's all about? Come on. Oftentimes we want God to, we want a breakthrough and we want this and we want that and we know what our desires are. But all God is doing is He's standing, He's standing there waiting for you to just come in to His presence so He can wrap His loving arms around you. Yeah, do I believe that God can bring breakthrough and finances and heal? Absolutely, I believe all of those things. But I believe first and foremost, He wants us to learn to come boldly into His presence, that we can have assurance in His presence, that we can come boldly before him and say, Lord, here I am. I have issues in my life. I have needs. My daughter's dying. This is happening. That's going on. But Lord, I just need you. I just need to get into your presence like the woman. I just need to grab hold of his garment like Jairus. I just need Jesus to come to my house. Wow, what would happen if Jesus just stepped into your house today? What would, what would Jesus begin to look through in your home today? What would he begin to say over your home today if he came to your house today? Yeah, he just wants to come in. He wants to 
come into your life, into your home, and begin to bring full assurance of things to come. This fullness of faith that we're called to, this fullness of assurance that we're called to, and the life of the believer does this. What does all this mean? It does this. We have a confidence in our salvation. All of a sudden, no matter what we're facing in this life, no matter what we're going through, I am born again. No one can take that from me. My, my salvation is written in the blood of Jesus. It's indelible. It's in the blood of Jesus. He sustains me. He, he keeps me. I walk with him. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions. My adoption, my adoption papers are signed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I have confidence in my salvation. I can have confidence in God's providence. I know that He keeps me, that He sustains me, that He directs my paths, that I can partake, 1 Peter says, of the pressure. 2 Peter says, I can take... I can partake of the divine nature, this heavenly nature, through the precious promises of God. I can step in. I can receive because of this confidence, this assurance that I have in God. He, 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 yeah, he's able. He's able to keep that. He's able, as Paul said, he's able to keep that, which I've committed. Paul told the Philippian church that he's able to finish that which he started in you. He's the one that's begun the work. He's able to finish it. It's the providence of God in our life. He protects us. He sustains us. He keeps us. And I can have confidence in God's help that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, I can say, Lord, help! (laughs) Help! I need your help. I need your direction. I need to call out to the Lord. Romans 8, 26 Uh, We don't know how to pray as we ought. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And He begins to pray through us. He intercedes on our behalf and intercedes through us with groanings that we cannot understand. We begin to pray in the Spirit. Help me, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Help. Help, Lord. I need your touch. I need your help. Lord, I need your direction. And you begin to pray and seek the Lord. And He helps. That word helps. Soon anti-lambanamai in the Greek. Soon anti-lambanamai means that he comes and he wrestles with you and pulls you in to safety. He works. He strives with you and pulls you in. That's what praying in the Spirit is all about. We begin to pray and yield to the Holy Spirit and he begins to wrestle with us and pull us in to the place of safety. Psalms 146 says, Blessed is he whose help is in God of Jacob. He is our helper. He is our helper. And we can have confidence That if Christ resurrected from the dead, that he is the first fruits of our resurrection. We can have confidence that he is coming again. 1 Corinthians says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. In an atomic second, in a split moment, Jesus Christ is coming back. He's become the 
the first fruits of our resurrection and you and I will be resurrected just like him. We will, yeah, we will. Just like on that day where Jesus sat down next to the bed of the dying girl and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, there's coming a day where he's going to look at you and he's going to say, Talitha Kumai, get up, get up, come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll arise. <laughs> yeah, we will arise and we'll be with him. So shall we ever be with the Lord. You and I can have an assurance in God. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe, Jairus. She might be dying at home. Only believe. You might have issues. Only believe. Just put your assurance in God. Don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at your situation. Put assurance in God. Let peace arise in your heart. Let the joy of the Lord begin to bubble up on the inside of you. It might do you some good to start laughing in the Lord. Ha 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 ha. And begin to be joyful in God. Let His peace, instead of Ha, 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 I have the peace of the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to be happy. Yeah, assurance. That's what the assurance of God does. That's what the assurance of God does. You don't have to be upset. <laughs> you don't have to be upset. <laughs> don't be mad. Be glad. Be happy in the Lord. Be happy in the Lord. Have assurance. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we, we hear, Lord, only believe. Lord, this year, Lord, we know in 2016, great things are ahead. Great things are ahead. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've prepared for us, for your church, and for those who love you. Lord, we thank you that in spite of all of the perilous times in which we live, in spite of all of the, the threats and things and all that's happening all around us, we know, Lord, we know, Lord, that in spite of all of those things, we have an assurance. <laughs> we have confidence in you. We have an unwavering, we have an unwavering position in God our Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have an unwavering position in you. That you are our steadfast rock who never moves. That you are our hope. That you are our strength. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.